This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't want to clean up my room. Anyone ever said those words? I don't want to clean my garage. Some of you are just glad you don't have a garage because you don't have to clean it. So you just you realize, okay, I'm out of that one. I don't want to clean the kitchen. I don't want to empty the dishwasher. I don't want to load the dishwasher. I deserve a break. We're just tired of setting things. Now, you could call those the words of frustrated children, uh, but a lot of that is actually the words that we use as adults. We just point it to children because it's easier that way, right? It's just easier to say, well, you know, kids these days. Did you know kids these days mirror who? Adults these days. Yeah. I discovered that as I became an adult, I realized, oh, these, these kids, it turns out they mirror me, which is either really good or really, really scary. Uh, but boy, as a kid, how many times did I hear adults say, you kids? And as a kid, what was I thinking? You adults. But man, did you ever say that to an adult when you were a kid? It does not end well. I tried it. It's bad. It's really bad. Again, just so you know, kids are normally outnumbered. Like Even when they attempt to say it, it just doesn't go well. It takes like years later when they're like, yeah, turns out you were right on that account. I know. I've been saying that for decades. Uh, but it just takes a little bit of time to sit there. Now, when we think about all these different things, uh, when we talk about wanting to have a break, do you guys remember the phrase, uh, all work and no play? Yeah, isn't it weird some of those things that are there? Yeah, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Uh, now, what's odd about that phrase is that we're trying to set ourselves up to excuse that we need to be able to do more play. Now, the question is, what is play? Because uh, my parents' opinion of what my brother and I should be playing was different than what my brother and I thought we should be playing. Uh, my parents thought that sometimes playing could be straightening your room. My parents thought playing could be dusting, and folding clothes, that this, this should be play. Uh, We had some different opinions about it. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to try to move from this uh, question of who's getting to tell us uh, things and then find out how do we change from always going, stop telling me to do stuff, and find out what's actually being said. So this morning, did you catch the main theme out of the gospel reading? This is where we're going to go. As we start our series over the summer of Mark My Words, what was the main theme out of the gospel? It was about what? The Sabbath, yeah. So it's the Sabbath. Now, this raises great questions uh, for us today because we have to realize um, most of us are detached from uh, a world that really forcefully held the Sabbath. How many of you can remember explicitly in your life the impact of the blue laws? Yeah. How many of you are willing to admit you've never heard of a blue law until I just said it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is fine. See, a couple of you don't even know what the blue laws are. So the blue laws were actually laws that set aside Sunday. It actually set aside Sunday as a portion where you couldn't do certain things. Do you know what the residual that, like, North Carolina is, you know, we're beating it back. I, I joked about this a couple months ago. You know, finally, we can now get liquor. What, what, what time is it now? Is it 10? 10, yeah. Good. So if, like, my sermon's really tough on you, you guys could ditch out at 10 and go get yourself some liquor. Because before, you had to wait until... I know. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, if I really had a bad one, you guys had to wait two more hours. Uh, but this is residual from the blue laws. 
which used to be you couldn't do things on Sunday because we thought that it was important you had a day of... Now, remember, the joy of progressive thought, no rest for you. Now, you can choose whether or not you want to make having a day off something good or bad, or you want to make it about the Bible or not, but congratulations, what we've done by pushing back some of God's structure in our life is we no longer have rest. How many of you like that? (laughs) Yeah, see, now, I get... Certainly, jobs are flexible for some of you who work, so your, your day off is a different day of the week. I get that. I know the world is shifting and changing. But sometimes we, we miss out on this rhythm of, of what it is that God was actually holding and reserving for us. So let's go to Mark 2. We're going to start out uh, this morning and take a look at this. This is Mark 2, 23 to 24. We're stepping into the gospel to see what it is that the Lord wants us to hear. It starts this way. One Sabbath, he's going through the grain fields. So you've got... Jesus walking through grain fields. Probably not something a lot of you are doing recently. Most grain fields in Wake County are now townhomes. So sorry, they've all been removed. I realize they were probably tobacco fields to begin with. Uh, But for the illustration, they're not. They're just townhomes now. So one Sabbath, he's going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Did any of you ever go through fields when you were a kid? Uh, At least for me, we had lots of cornfields we'd go through. and We'd pick corn and do different things and... Ah, we didn't sneak too many ears of corn, but you know, uh, you, you always had to see them. They just looked so ripe, and you wanted to check it. And of course, you'd check, and you're like, oh, that's why they didn't harvest it yet. <laughs> Turns out the head wasn't full. Uh, so they're sitting there plucking heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So the Pharisees, teachers of the law, uh, there are several different schools or parties within uh, Israel, of which the Pharisees are one. And they want to point out to Jesus that something's going wrong with their people. Now, most of us are content to follow the rules as long as we're the ones setting them. Like, as long as we set them. This is what I was joking before about cleaning up your room. When you're the parent, it's easy to say, clean up your room. Now, if your kids could, could you imagine if they ever said, balance your checkbook, mom? I mean, I didn't know to say that when I was six. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I wouldn't be here today, that's right. He would not have made it past year 10. But think of what kids don't actually repeat back to us. As long as you're the parent setting the rules, it's a lot easier. You know, well, you need to dust the house. You need to call your mother. Well, you need to make sure to clean out the dishwasher. You need to call your brother and let him know you're sorry about what you said to him last night on the phone. I mean, I didn't know those things as a kid. I just knew I had to clean my room. Now, I do realize that there are differentiation. I understand the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. Don't make those moves. But I'm sharing with you, it's easy when you're the one who gets to set the, 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 the tempo, to set what's going on. Now, if some kids try this this afternoon, you're like, Pastor, it didn't work. I didn't tell you to go attacking your parents. That's not what this is about. I'm just trying to illustrate that when you're the one that sets the rules, it's a lot easier. So when you're the head of the, of the team at school and you get to decide who's playing first, second, and third base, it's easy. It's not easy when you're the one who isn't chosen, right? You remember that? All right, you're chosen, you for my team, you for my team. Remember the last person? There was always the awkward, like, there's four people left. All right, um, the four of you go over here, and the four of you go over there. It's easy when you set the rules. It's hard when you're the one who's feeling left behind. So the Pharisees are raising the question, why are you doing this on the Sabbath? Now, why would they raise this question? Because they think they understand what God's doing. And they think that it's all about the blue laws. See, they think if we legislate the Sabbath, then people will understand they've got to do nothing, and doing nothing is what God wanted on the Sabbath. 
He wanted them to do absolutely nothing. Some of you can probably tell me after the service the stories of what it looked like for you on a Sunday afternoon. I've heard them from my parents and grandparents. Uh, Sunday afternoons were very different decades ago. I mean, my grandfather was very strict about not doing things. I mean, very. Uh, There was very little you could do. Uh, It was sit around and read. Uh, That was kind of it. You could make a meal, clear the plate, and that was kind of it. Other main tasks were all set. Uh, But Melvin was very clear about what that meant and how he wanted his family's rhythm to honor the Sabbath. Melvin also made sure that you went to church. You see, and now we start to turn the corner as to what the Sabbath is really looking for. See, this whole point of looking to the Sabbath isn't actually about the Sabbath. I don't know if you knew that. The whole honor of the Sabbath really isn't about the Sabbath day. Uh, It's about answering the question, who's in charge? None of us like when someone else is in charge. We just don't. Why do kids not like it when they're told to clean their room? I know I'm hounding on kids. Why is it they don't like it? Hopefully you know this. It wasn't their idea. It wasn't their idea. I was a weird kid. I would rearrange my room like two or three times out of the year. I just like wanted to rearrange it. I'd spend hours like moving a piece of furniture and getting things set. But it was my idea. I could spend hours doing it. Now, if my mom asked me to clean my room and it wasn't my idea, oh, man, that's the silliest thing ever. Like, it had to baffle her. But when it was my idea, I was all in. Because I was in charge. I was in control. I knew what I was doing. I think my dad would be baffled because there's times, like, I'd block the door with the dresser because I was moving things. So, like, they couldn't get in. Like, I'm sure my dad would come from work. What's going on? Oh, he's doing the room rotation thing. And they'd just be rotating and setting things there. But I was in control of what was going on. I thought I had it all arranged. I had it all set for me to know where this was going. So it matters to us today because God's challenging who's in control. And the Pharisees figured that they were in control of just because the law was given. And now they're just the ones who get to say how it goes. So he said to them, this is Jesus responding, the Sabbath was made for man. That may not seem like a big thing to you, but let the verse continue. The Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. See, God didn't make you and me so that we could have the blue laws and just set aside one day out of the week that could be a quiet day. That was not it at all. The Sabbath was made for us because God knew that we were real good at getting wrapped up in other stuff. Really good at it. So good that we would need a reminder every week that someone else is in control of us. We would need that. We would need to take a respite so we might do something like, well, I can't believe it. How many of you have ever, you don't have to, like, don't raise your hands. This would be awkward because it might be all of you. Anyone ever been frustrated that Chick-fil-A is closed after church? Don't raise your hand. Well, well, I know. Weird, isn't it? Like, we're upset by that. Now, how many of you have ever thought that and then thought, yeah, but you know what? Their families are home. And then you, like, (laughs) sad to, like, go to Panda Express or go somewhere else, go to Panera. And you're like, ha-ha, see, we'll show them. Uh, But it gets you thinking. See, God set the Sabbath because he realized you were going to attempt to live your life without ever taking a break. And then when you had an evening and you were exhausted, you look and say, I can't believe how much work I have to do. (laughs) To which God at some point has to be chuckling at us. I mean, if you see the scriptures, uh, God seems to enjoy life, enjoy what's going on, and go, I've told you that. Time and time again, I've told you to set aside time to actually breathe. And he said to them, the Sabbath was not made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now this gets back to what's really happening in this account. 
You've got Jesus walking with his disciples, and he's pointing out, you don't get to decide what's going on because I'm actually the one who made the Sabbath. (laughs) Again, these are those amusing parts where people don't really understand what's happening. Like the Pharisees don't get, they're actually talking to God. Now, this doesn't normally happen because it's, it's a weird type of thing. I don't know if, if any of you grew up around D.C. or different places or, or even if you walk around downtown Raleigh, like you can come across people who are actually pretty influential, uh, but you just don't know it at the time, uh, like at our, at our blood drive. Um, uh, why am I blanking right now? Um, I know, Tom, you know, the gentleman you played tennis with who's in charge in the legislature. Skip, yeah, Skip Stan. Uh, real powerful here. Skip's just donated blood. And what's funny is you see Skip, you have no idea. I mean, whether you like Skip Stan or not, the point is, like, I just give blood. You're like, hey, good to see you. Uh, and to sit there, and you don't realize who you're actually talking to. If you're in D.C., you may actually talk to a Supreme Court justice and not know it because they're just not wearing their what? They're not wearing their, their stuff. And most of you, if I were to lay out all the Supreme Court justice faces, you'd have no idea. They have to be, like, in their garb. Now, a couple of you I get with no faces. I do know that. But for others, you have a chance uh, to see it. Jesus is talking. They don't realize they're actually talking to the one who made the law. Uh, it's the amusement of sitting there to see it. This is why sometimes we get in trouble with police officers because we say things and we don't realize they're actually what? Police officers, like the undercover ones who like, are just standing there or the undercover car when you decided to run a red light. You're like, I've got to get there. And the officer's like, oh, I don't want to have to do it, but you did this right in front of me. This is my brother. One day I'm doing a ride-along, and we're sitting there, and we're just talking about college, and we wanted to talk, and a car is going to make an illegal left-hand turn with a red, and we're just talking, and he goes, don't. He's in his police gear, and he just goes, don't do it. Don't. No. Don't. I'm going to have to pull you over. Why? Because he's in a marked car. Okay? Not undercover. Marked car. Well, they did do it, and they did pull him over, and they didn't have their license, and a whole bunch of other things, and they lost their car. All they had to do was sit at the light, just so you know. It was going to be two brothers talking about college. So if you wonder sometimes if police officers have it out for you, no, he just wanted to talk to his brother about college. He did not want to pull you over. He really didn't. Uh, and, we, and we had about an hour just having fun with those people and learning what police officers do. Well, God's speaking to us about the Sabbath and trying to realign who's setting the rules and where this is going. Now, this is interesting. Luther wrote this about... Uh, the Sabbath, and he shared these words. He said, man was especially created for the knowledge and worship of God. For the Sabbath was not ordained for sheep and cows, but for men, that in them the knowledge of God might be developed and might increase. See, the Sabbath isn't about you not doing things. It's about you actually doing things. We always talk about what you can't do on the Sabbath. What the blue laws didn't do is the blue laws weren't proactive. They were reactive. They were reactive, telling you, well, you can't go get food. You can't do this. You can't buy alcohol. You can't do that. Certainly not afternoon. We would make sure that you don't have, yeah, because really no one bought their alcohol Saturday. Yeah. Man, if you need to buy your alcohol at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you really, you've got another issue uh, that's, a, that's a big challenge that sets there uh, to see it. But we celebrated as a state when we made that move. Instead, we have Luther talking about that the Sabbath is actually so you would spend time to learn more about God, grow in knowledge of Him. The Sabbath wasn't, Luther doesn't say that it wasn't made for, for the Son of Man. He actually goes, it's not for sheep and cows. It's not for dogs and cats. It's not for other animals. It's for you and me. This is actually so we would spend time doing what? We'd actually open the Bible And look and see what God has to say because God cares about your Monday to Sunday. 
God doesn't want just your Sabbath. God wants you to understand Sabbath, a day of rest, and rest in the Lord. See, rest isn't just rest laying down your head. Rest could be actively reading and studying and actually digesting and growing. It could be caring for someone. Now, he actually goes forward in the illustration and talks about King David, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing to set there. Uh, Because the Sabbath day, when we talk about it now, most of us think Sabbath means go to church, which means let's go, we're going to give an hour, we'll kind of sit there, we'll sing some top 40 Christian songs, and we're going to sing some great hymns with a hundred-voice tabernacle choir, singing Amazing Grace, all great things, right? As long as they actually do what? Honor God. You can sing some great top 40 Christian tunes and have nothing to do with God because it's all about you. You can also listen to a hundred-voice choir singing Amazing Grace, and it has nothing to do with God. It's all about the hundred-voice choir. See, both sides can really get into trouble. And you want to talk about worship wars today, what neither side is talking about is maybe both sides are right as long as God's in the center. The, the moment God becomes subservient, now you've got an issue. This is the same with the Sabbath. The Sabbath is actually about honoring God to set there. Now, do you know the story of what happens with King David? So King David uh, is out with his uh, men as he's gathering, and as he comes in, they have nothing to eat. So they actually step into the temple and set there. Uh, the ESV records it as bread of the presence. The NIV, I think, calls it showbread. Uh, this is bread that was actually laid out there in the temple. It is bread that the priests would have eaten, and only for the priest. But David and his guys are hungry. They've got nothing to eat. And guess what they do? Hopefully you already know this. Yeah, they eat it. Now, most people, if you were to say, is King David a good guy or a bad guy? Generally speaking, he's a good guy. So Jesus points out and goes, well, David was doing stuff on the Sabbath. He went and ate the showbread, which he wasn't supposed to, the bread of the presence. uh, And it seemed like you guys are okay with him. So why are you bugging my guys? Because they're hungry and all they're doing is picking some heads of grain. You missed out on what the Sabbath was about. These are guys who are actually walking with God, literally. They're actually following Jesus, the Son of Man, their present, God, maker of heaven and earth, and they're complaining, well, these guys should honor the Sabbath. I mean, it's humorous, hopefully you do now. You're going, there was probably no better honor of the Sabbath than actually sitting at Jesus' feet day in and day out. Uh, but the disciples weren't always resting. Sometimes they were busy engaged in things uh, to sit there and to know it. So the Sabbath is not more important than Jesus. But the Sabbath should get us to realize how we get connected. Now, our first reading was from Deuteronomy 5. And we get this because it gives us the Sabbath back from the Old Testament. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Set apart this day. Honor God. Verse 15, then, we jump a few. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, remember, God does this frequently. He reminds you, here's the stuff I've done, and I'm asking you to do things. I'm not telling you to do it because I think somehow this is going to, like, I'm a God that does stuff, and trust me, when I do things, it's good for you. So a Sabbath is actually going to be, it's actually going to be good for you. Now, think back to all those evil things that your parents and guardians told you to do growing up. Remember the one, do your homework? Remember that one? Were they right? Why are we struggling to answer? Man, this is a group of people that did not do their homework. I'm sorry, teachers. Like, I've just got to not realize this church was not a homework-doing kind of church. Uh, when your parents said do your homework, they were, they were right. Uh, when you ask the question, when will I use this in life? 
Have you guys used anything you've ever learned in life? Yeah, you do. It, it, it turns out you're set there. It makes you actually a well-rounded citizen, that you actually understand some things, or at least you understand, I didn't quite remember how to do that, but I know I can call Tabitha, and she does know how to do it. Great, then call her. You learn how to use others, and you learn how to have counsel from other people to set there. Uh, but as God's writing, as he speaks here, the Sabbath day is setting us. Why? Because God cares for us. He brought you out of Egypt, and I want you to have a day of rest so you'll remember what? What's he probably want you to remember? And it's right there. In other words, it's in big, huge letters. Yeah, remember the Sabbath and all the stuff I did for you. See, part of our gathering worship is we should remember the stuff God's done. We need to rehear the stories for the first time again that God brought us out of Egypt. Who did he bring out of Egypt? His people. Us. That story is yours. Own it. Know it. Learn it. Breathe it. But if you don't ever gather in worship and you go hiking on a mountaintop, will the mountain tell you that God brought his people out of Egypt? It will not. I mean, if it does, it's probably the last day because trumpets are sounding and mountains are talking. Like, I, I, I get that. But I'm just sharing with you, this is why we gather in worship, so we would understand the rhythm of what God was giving to us, a God who cares. It's not about just being able to say, well, you know, pastor wants us to do nothing on Sundays. No, pastor wants to make sure you set aside and to have this. God's not telling you to honor the Sabbath to spoil your weekend. Did you know that? It's not what he's actually asking. He's telling you to honor the Sabbath to restore your life. And we as a church miss that. See, we think that this is the commandment that we're missing. Oh, no one's honored. No, the Sabbath wasn't so that you would just set aside and do nothing. It was so you would actually engage and spend time with God. As we look to the common ground small groups, my hope for you is take a Sabbath, one night, one day, one morning a week, do something in addition to set aside. I guarantee you at some point in your week, you will waste an hour. I guarantee it. It's just, this is what we do. And now we have Google and the internet to waste hours away like they're nothing. I dare you to put on the app that tells you how much time you put on your phone and watch it one week. I dare you. You'd be blown away by how much time you spend on your phone or in front of a device. You know, I, I heard one study, some people who put this app on there. Do you guys know Clark Howard, uh, consumer advocate? Uh, he asked all his staff to put it on there. Only him and one other member of staff kept it on there. They were so distraught by how long they were on their phones. He actually said, none of my staff will even watch anymore because they were disturbed by how much time they spent there. So I'm inviting you, encouraging you, dare I say begging you. <laughs> that is hilarious. I mean, honestly, not plan- just so you know, I did not use my phone to place that call. I'm just letting you know. Man, right after begging you, that was really neat. Some of you guys, man, this interactive sermon's here. Look out for these. Set aside time to get into God's Word. Now, I've had several of you ask me, you know, what would it take to get plugged into a study? How much do I have to know? Do I have to come prepared? Just bring a Bible. We're reading Bible stories. We're not asking you to divulge your entire life secrets or what's happening. You can talk as much or as little as you want. Sorry, small group leaders. I'm inviting people that may not want to talk. Uh, but just to open the Bible and let that become part of your rhythm. If as a church we don't make our common ground actually opening this book, we're going to become people that pretend we know it but have never read it. It's dangerous. Uh, It's scary. Uh, Watch the news. You see lots of people pretend that they understand what they know but know nothing about what they're actually reporting on. Become someone who can report on Christ because you've read Christ's story. You actually read it firsthand. 
This is what Paul is actually sharing with us as he closes out for us this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. We live in a dark world. Let it shine out of darkness for us. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, if you want like a verse that unpacks the profound nature of what God is doing, this is it. Listen to it again. For God who said, light shine out of darkness. So a world where there's darkness, nothing's there. God says, I'm bringing light in there. He has shown in our hearts, inside of you, deep into who you are in your hearts, to give the light of the knowledge, the understanding, the knowledge of the glory of God, God's actually resplendent glory. And where does that come? In the face of Christ. You want to understand God? You've got to understand the Christ. You want to understand his glory? You've got to start with Jesus. You want to understand Jesus? You've got to listen to his words. You have to mark out his words. Paul then says this as he closes. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's what we are. We're jars of clay, you and I formed out of the ground. We have this treasure in jars of clay that show that the surpassing power belongs to God. Who's in control? God, that's what the Sabbath is about. You're not in charge. I'm sorry. But guess what? (laughs) No one else in your family is in charge either. They're all taking orders from the same person, from God. And if they're not, pray that they do. Pray that God would work on their heart. Pray that God would soften them. Pray that God would prepare and equip them that they might be what God intended them to be. All of us at some point in our life have been led astray. But God calls us back home, and the verse continues, show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul continues, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our life. Honoring the Sabbath is about taking up into yourself the death of Christ. Because in taking up his death, he has taken yours from you. And as you take up his death, so also you take up his resurrection and his life. And may that abundance flow for you this week as we mark his words and honor him who is Lord of all, King of kings, Lord of lords. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, We hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.